Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Welcome to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. We are broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, the beautiful state of Arizona. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter. 
You want to listen to the show after it airs Monday through Friday, five nights a week, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. Most reliable way to listen, GroundZero.radio. But after the show, search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or application. You can listen to the show in that way. You can also download the show in that way. But we monetize the show through those outlets. That's how we fund and finance this show. So if you'd like to get the show without those annoying advertisements, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the full archive today. You'll find a player on the website when you subscribe. You'll also get a private RSS feed. You can plug the feed into your app or to your browser, and you'll be able to get the ad-free version of the show that way, plus our montage archive, plus my digital book archive. My new book, Liberty Shrugged, is available now only at thesecretteachings.info, softcover or PDF digital version. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you support us in those ways, we continue to be here over a decade on air now. And we really appreciate all of your support. I appreciate sincerely everybody who's bought my new book and all of my other books and continue to subscribe, email us, let us know what you think of the show, etc. Please leave us also a review on one of the podcast players or wherever you listen to the show outside of the archive. Let us and others know what you think of the broadcast. We are no strangers to controversy here on The Secret Teachings, and a lot of times we have subjects or guests that will conjure up a storm, a tempest, in a handful of either mentally ill, perhaps they're paid, I highly doubt that, just mentally ill people or people that are hysterical about their, uh, their beliefs, and uh, that leads to threats, death threats, it leads to people that hack into your website, etc. Uh, this happened uh, to me. Uh, this week, and I waited a few days to really discuss it just because I wanted to get all the details. And I found out that the major reason that people have had an issue with um, two of our recent shows, Enviro Necromancy and a show we did with Harold Kaltz from Germany called uh, Black Goo 101, or basically it was like Black Goo for Dummies, like those uh, those books that you can buy uh, for everything like you know, uh, constitutional law for dummies, uh, you know, baking cookies for dummies, etc. Just a clever, fun name. Uh, but those two shows garnered a very positive response, but they also conjured for the first time in a long time a lot of hatred, a lot of uh, aggression, a lot of threats, a lot of, um, a lot of issues. So I was thinking, what exactly was it about Harold's show that made people so upset? And then I thought, they're not upset about you know, the archetypes we talked about in Hollywood, they have to be upset about the mRNA shots we discussed. I'm, I'm assuming that's what it was. But the thing is, on The Secret Teachings, it's an open platform. And we have thought experiments here on the show. And we talk about things that are highly controversial, not for ratings, but because there are things that need to be discussed. I'm not concerned about ratings. I'm not concerned about any of that. If I was I wouldn't be here. I'd be somewhere else. I'd be on another network. I'd have millions of dollars in sponsorship. I'm not concerned with any of that. What I'm concerned about is thinking. That's really the basis of this show. And tonight I want you to think. I want you to think hard. I want you to think long. I want you to think in detail. I want you to take notes. We have a special guest on the show, Don Lester. Don Lester has appeared on the show several times, five times to be exact. 
with David Parker, both of them together writing this enormous, magnificent book, What Really Makes You Ill, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. I went back into the archive, found all five of the shows. If you want to look them up, Quantum Perception, What Really Makes You Ill, Trust Us, We're Not Experts, Haunted Health, and Confessions of a Germ with Don Lester and David Parker. Tonight again, just Don Lester on the show. And I wanted to bring her on the broadcast to talk about some misconceptions pertaining to not just health. That's a very stale term for a lot of radio listeners, late night radio listeners. But to talk about the germ and to talk about virology and to talk about modern science and how we view the human body and how we view modern medicine and a whole bunch of other stuff that we might get into. Before we go any further, though, Don Lester, author of What Really Makes You Ill. Don, thank you so much for coming back on The Secret Teachings. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me back. It's, it's great to be back and talking to you. Uh, always, always very interesting conversation, so thank you. You're very, very welcome. So we have the book, What Really Makes You Ill. We'll probably talk about that very, uh, very later in the show. Maybe we'll do a little promotion of that. But for right now, before we go any further, tell listeners who you are, what you do. If you want to mention the book, that's fantastic. But give us a little bit of a background on a who is Don Lester before we go any further. Uh, okay. Um, my background, as, as some people may know, uh, I used to be an accountant. So uh, that's sort of, you know, the, the logic side. Um, uh, so there was a, I don't know, a kind of a, an interest in maths or whatever at some point. And so I was given some pretty awful careers advice and accountancy was the one that uh, was sort of top of the heap, as it were. Um, useful from, you know, a certain perspective, obviously, with the logic and following common sense. Unfortunately, though, it's very much controlled and uh, it's all about, you know, um, looking after the system, not really necessarily looking after clients as much as you'd like. Um, so that's um, from where I was because uh, I was sort of in practice. Um, but always loved reading, so um, the idea of researching and diving deep into various topics that obviously were interesting. Um, I mean, whenever you have a topic that you find that you find interesting, you're really going to dive into it and absorb as much as you can. I mean, that's one of the problems with the so-called well, I won't call it education, the school system that children are made to sit through topics and various subjects that they probably aren't interested in and um, you'll often find that you know the the ones who do well are, um, are the ones um, who find particular topics interesting so you know I mean it's when you find a topic interesting you really go into it and of course um, finding out about health um, was not something that was at the forefront of my mind although I, I think I always had a, an interest in trying to be healthy, you know, looking at various different ideas and um, over the course of my life. And so finding out that there were some problems um, made me want to really dive into it because it was such a shock at the beginning when we first found out that, uh, you know, the medical system is <laughs> not there for our health. Uh, I mean, one of the earliest books we read was by Robert Mendelssohn, um, Confessions of a Medical Heretic. Uh, he wrote that, I believe, in the 80s. I can't remember exactly. I think early 80s. And um, 
yes, that was an eye-opener where, you know, he was referring to the medical system as the Church of Modern Medicine and saying, it, you know, it had, um, like a sort of a church, it had its priesthood. Um, so, you know, <laughs> didn't think of doctors as, as being priests, but the more we sort of looked into that, we realized that, you know, they'd been indoctrinated, trained, and so they were sticking to their training and of course you know their careers relied on it um and uh they were reluctant to really sort of look into it a few a few started to i mean there are a few books out there of various different doctors who've um uh you know recognized that there are some problems shall we say with their practices um so he's not the only one but as i say he was the first and it was um yeah quite an eye-opener so you've got... So a, to, sorry? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so that led to sort of more and more investigation and, you know, years and years later and uh, finally the book, What Really Makes You Will. <laughs> I, I find there to be an irony in when, if somebody was listening to you give a little bit of a, of a background about yourself and they heard that you're not a medical doctor, because you're not a medical doctor, right, Don? No, no, yeah. definitely <laughs> It's kind of ironic because if you have an actual medical doctor who begins to speak or to write in contradiction of the mainline establishment, they're written off as a hack, they're a quack, they're making things up, they're unqualified, pull their medical license. But when you get someone who's not a medical doctor who does the same type of, of writing and research, even if they're quoting medical doctors, etc., then you just don't have any credit at all because you didn't go to medical school. But I find yeah. it perhaps even more ironic that one of the biggest proponents of forced medicine, experimental medicine, et cetera, on the planet today is someone like Bill Gates, who has no medical degree, yet we trust him. <laughs> and we might not trust me or somebody might not trust you because, you know, we didn't go to medical school. You know, what, what do you think of that? Um, well, yes, it is. It is a problem. Um, you know, people who are um, in the system, you know, certainly in the medical system, um, feel they can dismiss us because, you know, we because we didn't go to medical school. So how can we know? The thing is that, you know, we did spend absolutely years um, investigating, researching, reading as much as possible um, um, to join the dots together of all the information we were finding. But yes, um, I mean, that, that is, a, you know, the, <laughs> the real irony that, uh, as you say, Bill Gates, who goes around telling everyone that those, uh, you know, like, for example, those poor African people, you know, poor African children need their vaccines. Um, and he knows, he obviously, well, I was going to say he knows nothing. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he does, but he does not have... Um, any medical qualifications as far as I'm aware. So, uh, yeah, but obviously he's, um, he's a billionaire. He's got the clout. He's, um, for some reason, people believe him. Although I think many people don't, so that's good. That is good. It's also billionaires who established mainstream medicine and mainstream uh, drug usage today uh, with the petroleum industry and the Rockefellers. I mean, billionaires are yeah. behind every behind everything from eugenics to mainline medicine, and a lot of times eugenics and mainline medicine sort of cross paths if you've studied 20th century history. So Don, yeah. Don Lester is our guest this evening. What really makes you ill? That's a little bit of a background on Don and a couple of points that we could talk about in more detail. But what I wanted to bring you onto the show tonight to discuss, Don, is 
germ theory. Now, this is something that I had never thought about, never heard about. I read a book by a doctor, Nancy Appleton. Um, I haven't talked to her in years. I think she may have passed away. But she came on the show many times, and she actually wrote a book called The Curse of Louis Pasteur. That's where I first heard about it, and I first learned about it. And of course, you talk about Pasteur in your book, What Really Makes You Ill. What exactly is germ theory, and are, are there alternatives to uh, this idea that a germ is going to make me sick as opposed to perhaps what I'm eating or you know, how I'm taking care of myself or not taking care of myself? Does that question make sense, and could you please speak to that? Uh, yes, I mean the germ theory, um, emphasis on theory, uh, is the idea that microorganisms um, are the reason that people become ill. I mean that's it in a nutshell. Uh, the problem is that what they call germs are, um, uh, yes, I mean that that's the label. But these microorganisms uh, are bacteria which do exist. They are real. They are alive. They exist out in nature. They exist everywhere, including in our bodies. Um, they have, however, never been proven to cause disease. There are also fungi, which are um, living organisms as well, and um, they are also found out in nature and in our bodies naturally as well. Now, the problem is when that um, microorganism is used for uh, what is called a virus, but that's completely untrue because the definition of organism is something that is alive and the particles that are called viruses because that's all they are that they have never been proved to be anything other than particles um, the particles um, are not microorganisms and um, I think even sometimes the, the word germ is, is misleading because the origin of the word germ is um, sort of the origin of something well I mean the origin the, the original part the, um, because you know like seeds germinate so that's you know the core of the word germinate com is, is germ so that's uh, you know we have sort of germ cells uh, you know um, so it's misleading to call these things germs because the idea is that you know germs are of the cause of disease and speaking you know, speaking to the idea of a theory too is it, it's not mm. it's not established in the medical industry whether a virus as they call it quote unquote a virus is even alive or not they they still are debating that well originally um well the, the word virus comes from the latin for a poison or noxious substance right uh it was then um um, slightly redefined and uh, to refer to a protein of some description, and then it was defined to describe a um, a piece of genetic material in a protein coat, which um, at the beginning was um, admitted to be non-living. I mean, there are many people who are um, biologists who have said they are non-living. Only, of course, that doesn't suit their purposes, though they have been manipulating this definition and moving it towards trying to um, get people to think that, you know, they are sort of alive. I mean, I even found one definition, which I think we've got in the book, that says, you know, they're halfway between between sort of alive and not alive. And you think... Ah, it's Schrodinger's you know, virus. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, you just think, well, in order to be alive, there are certain criteria, and if something doesn't fit that criteria, then they cannot be alive. Um, but of course, they are fudging the issue because they are really pushing the idea that these are um, things that people need to be afraid of. May, may, and may I ask you to? I, I don't want to di- divert the conversation here, and this is no. not. This is not a political statement, but just out of curiosity, I don't know if you've noticed this, where you have a lot of people that tend to be, at least here in the United States, people that are on the political left, that are promoters and believers in abortion in all cases whatsoever. They don't believe that a baby, even after birth, is a baby until the doctor declares it a child and declares it alive. Yet the virus is considered living and something that can affect us, but a baby is not technically alive. I find there to be a heavy contradiction there. The people that are highly pro-abortion are also highly pro-vaccine, pro-mask, and pro-germ theory. I don't know if you've seen that connection, but I find that to be a huge double standard, very hypocritical, and a result of cognitive dissonance. Oh, it's all of those things. It's also atrocious. Um, As you say, something that um, nobody can see with their... um, you know, with their with their eyes, they cannot observe these particles they call viruses with their own eyes, um, and yet they're apparently dangerous. And something that is absolutely visible um, is not it's, um, considered not alive. I mean, I, I that that's nonsense. Sorry, I, I'm finding it difficult. Uh, I, I mean, that's outrageous. I'm I don't think it's quite like that here in the UK um, but I have seen an awful lot of very very ridiculous comments coming out of um, out of the states I'm afraid and certainly on from uh, what is called the left the you know the far left I mean it's absolutely outrageous what's what's being suggested as being real and <laughs> it, it is nonsense um, but the the point of this particle that's called a virus, I mean, it has this, no uh, particle that's called a virus has ever been observed in nature. And that's the other thing. It's, it's never been taken from a person or taken from anything out, out in the real world, if you like. These particles are only ever seen under an electron microscope and in order to see something under an electron microscope, it has to be subjected to a whole range of different procedures, none of which allow this whatever is being viewed to be to remain alive. So even if it were alive in the first place, it was it will not be alive when it is viewed under the electron so microscope. So, like, would that include like they they dye the material, they dye the uh, the substance, or they dry it and stuff like that? And yes, they freeze it, they dry it, um, they heat it, they dice it, slice it. Uh, yes, absolutely. It undergoes a, a whole range of procedures. And uh, well, the, I think one of the first things is they dehydrate it. Um, so the minute water is removed, um, it is it is completely changed because we know. I mean, certainly, um, human bodies um, a huge um, proportion of it is is water. So the minute you take water away, the whole um, shape and and um, morphology and, and everything to do with that particular, even if it's a cell, it's it completely changed once you remove the water and the, the um, 
So what you're looking at is there's no relationship to anything within the human body. The only way to to do that is to look at something under a, either a light microscope or something where you can see things that are alive, even though they have been removed from the body. Um, but with these particles, so the idea or, or the claims that are being made that these particles fly around, you know, they go into your cells, they replicate and they make it burst and they come out and then they go out in your sneezes and coughs and fly in the air and la or land on surfaces. Somebody picks them up and, you know, they stay, I mean, stay alive and then go into their body and infect them. Pure, pure hypothesis. Never, ever been seen, never been proved. Um, and and I think that, that can be, you know, quite challenging for people because of all the claims that are being made um, in the way that the information is put out through the media, through these propaganda sources. It makes people think these are living something or others, that, that, you know, these particles, whatever they are, they have been seen. They are known to fly through the air and, you know, through sneezes and whatever. So what, so what we, I'm, I'm sorry, so mm -hmm. what we see then, we see a lot of CG for sure from the CDC and from other uh, universities, etc. When we do see something that's considered to be an actual virus, quote unquote, uh, let's say uh, an, an image that is circulated uh, in the news or something like this is what SARS-CoV-2 or this is what monkeypox looks like. If that's not CG, which I know a lot of the times it is because the CDC has that on their website, a CG SARS-CoV-2, is it what's seen under the electron microscope? Is that what they're showing us? Uh, well, the CG images are um, purely made up graphics. I mean, that, yeah, of course. You know, that, that, yeah, I mean, but they're not based on anything that has been seen, even in the electron microscope. Um, you know, the, these are just, you know, uh, flights of fancy, if you like. Um, you know, because again, how many different colors are the images of these um, so-called SARS-CoV-2? You know, how many how many different styles and shapes and colors are It's like they? an art gallery. Um, like well, precisely, yes. Uh, and nobody's ever seen that. What they do see under an electron microscope is, is just a 2D flat image. So um, the idea that it's some circular mind-shaped type thing is, is pure speculation. Um, what they do see is these little circles with dots around them and that's what's assumed to be the spikes, um, hence the sort of, you know, so-called spike protein. Right. We have, um, to, we have to take a break. Let's hold that thought. We're going to carry it over. Sure. Don Lester is our guest this evening. What really makes you ill? A fascinating conversation so far. I promise you it will only get better in the second and third segment tonight. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com There's a lot more with Don after this. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken!
You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is the Secret Teachings Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. The most reliable way to listen is groundzero.radio or the Secret Teachings Archive after the show at thesecretteachings.info. Our guest this evening, Don Lester, author of What Really Makes You Ill, a decade in the making, the writing of this masterpiece work. Don is joining us this evening, and she was speaking about the changing in the definitions of a virus. Virus was defined originally as a slimy liquid poison or a noxious substance. We've also had other words defined like pandemic and words like vaccine and words like recession more recently. Uh, We've talked about the microscopic difference, if you will, between what is not actually seen in nature and what is seen under an electron microscope. And we sort of left off around that issue, Don, if you want to pick up where you were leaving off at the end of the last break. Um, yes, I was just talking about the uh, electron microscope or micrograph images of um, what we are told are viruses. The problem is, uh, in order to describe something, you have to have seen it in nature, uh, you know, out in the wild, you know, in order, if you, you know, find a new animal out in nature, then you can, you know, uh, 
<laughs> truly isolated, uh, you know, in, in the true meaning of that word. You know, you can um, somehow, you know, capture it and then you can uh, identify it and, you know, find out how many legs it's got and heads and tails and ears and all of that stuff. But you actually have to have observed it on its own out there in in the world, as it were, before you can give it a name. So uh, if that makes sense, whereas these particles um, that are seen under the electron microscope have been given the name virus um, incorrectly because no uh, actual virus has ever been seen on its own totally you know, isolated as a thing identified by itself. So when somebody, you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that you can then match because if you've got this strange new creature out in the wild, then when you see another one somewhere else, you can say, oh, are they the same? Oh, yes. You know, you can go through all the different characteristics. So but I, there is no virus in nature. It's always an assumption that, that that's what it is. You know, it's, um, as, as, as my friend Jordan Grant says, it's point and declare. You know, the, these little dots in, the, um, in these electromicrograph images are given the label virus um, with no uh, real independent examination, investigation um, to say that that is what it is. It's just given a label, if that makes sense. The, it, to go back, the, um, um, back in the late 1900s, uh, yeah, no, sorry, late 1800s, uh, when they were able to sort of, you know, when they started looking at uh, bacteria, you know, the sort of Robert Koch and, and the, back, you know, the beginning of microbiology and bacteriology, they could see bacteria. They are uh, visible under certain microscopes. They are alive. They, are, um, they can be viewed. They can be identified. They were associated incorrectly with various diseases, but there were certain so-called diseases that they couldn't associate with these bacteria. So the the word virus had been around for ages, so they decided that the the um, diseases that couldn't be attributed to bacteria must be um, caused by much smaller um, pathogenic agents, if you like. So it was an assumption that there were smaller things that were causing these other so-called diseases. And it's on the basis of that assumption that they have tried to look for these ever smaller pieces of um, something that they could then buy a label with you know, the word virus or whatever it is and, and attribute to certain diseases. So when they're able to do these different experiments and find these particles, um, you know, that was kind of, oh, hey, presto. But before the 1954 um, experiment, which has become the, you know, the cornerstone of, of virology, if you like, you know, beforehand, they were using various sort of, you know, small, well, various, they, were, they had various experiments that they were conducting to uh, try and see if they could um, produce disease in other people, you know, actually try and demonstrate some kind of transmissibility of these conditions um, through what they thought were viruses, and, and they couldn't. It was only when they started doing these particular experiments that are now the, as I say, you know, the, the actual 
groundwork of, of virology now uh, until they started doing those experiments. Um, you know, virology was sort of losing face. But once that experiment started uh, and all subsequent virology experimentation is based on that that same, um, well, slight modifications in the actual uh, materials they use, but pretty much the same experiment that they used in 1954. Um, they're using the same thing and making the same assumptions. So assumptions and, and... I know that was long-winded. It was just... No, you it's know, okay. It, it, started from an assumption that there was something smaller than that, an assumption that there was something and, and now it's an it's an implication it's an implication now it's an assumption and an implication because well you tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 so you must have an illness you must be sick even if you have no symptoms <laughs> yes yes I mean that that's the craziest thing isn't it that you have to have a test in order to find out if you're ill or not <laughs> yes it's laughable when you think of it. And in fact, I can, do, I can do one better than that. Listen to this. Dr. Stuart Ray, Vice Chair of Medicine for Data Integrity, which is even more ironic, and analytics at Johns Hopkins Department of Medicine. I don't know if you saw this. Just a few weeks ago, he said that if you think you have COVID, then you do. This is the quote. If you feel confident you have COVID, you probably have COVID, quote unquote. Even if you test negative, as long as you think you have it, then you probably have it. <laughs> that is one better. I have not heard that. That yeah. is absolutely ludicrous. And this guy's the head of data integrity at Johns Hopkins. This isn't just some random person. Crazy. There is, of course, the point which I think we brought out in our discussion with you about the nature of reality is that your thoughts are powerful. So therefore, they are putting the thought in some people's heads and I suspect some people will have taken that on as a, as a belief. And, and if they did, they could actually manifest the symptoms associated with so-called COVID. Cause I mean, but I mean, there's no certainly, such thing as COVID. Certainly. They, can, they can manifest those symptoms and um, whether they're whatever the test result or whatever. And then that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, they're so vague anyway. It's like I have sore feet. It, it could have been because I took a 10 mile hike or maybe I have COVID. It's they're so vague. It's like I didn't sleep well. The window was open. It was cold. I got a sore throat and I just have like a pressure in my head this morning. And well, that could be COVID or it could just be you didn't sleep well and you left the window open and cold air got in. You breathed it in all night because you couldn't breathe through your nose. So your, so your throat's sore. It's just so vague and so arbitrary that yeah. anybody could be, quote, sick at any time, even though they're not actually sick. Um, th here's a really great example of everything that you're saying uh, have you heard of the the French scientist, and I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name correctly, so excuse me, French guy, uh, Etienne Klein? You heard of this story in the news about he said he had this image, just like the virus, he had this image of uh, Proxima Centauri, and it turns out he was playing a joke on people. It's a top scientist. It was actually a piece of sausage that he took a picture of very up close, and he said it was a sun. And people on the internet, oh my God, science is so cool. Look at that. Look at that planet. Turns out it was a piece of sausage. Yes, I think I did see this, that. <laughs> uh, I didn't remember his name, but uh, again, I think somebody else took an image of a, um, uh, a, a, I don't know if it was like a marble kitchen top or something like that, that, that had all sorts of sparkly bits or whatever and took up that image, um, copied that image and, and again said that was, you know, something in the sky rather than the, you know, kitchen Top. Well, there you have it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a great example yeah. of, of what you said. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm? I, I mean, as I say, I couldn't remember his name, but I did remember seeing that. And as you say, it's, um, yes, be careful what you, I don't mean you, <laughs> but people should be careful what they believe. And again, I think that's playing out in a few different other places as well. Um, so many people just look at something, think it's you know interesting and then share it around without actually bothering to look into it properly, to assess it properly. Um I mean, you know, just just another thing on an aside. Um, somebody sent an image and said, "Oh, you know, China's locked itself down," and you know, there's an image of a um, a shop with a sign on saying, "You know, COVID lockdown down. Uh, you know, we are closed." Um, th- the point I made was, uh, "Yeah, but that sign's in English." <laughs> right. Um, you know, might be the English quarter of wherever it is, but anyway, you, you know, so it's it's just. Um, I, I, I think there's so much um, sort of hype going around. Uh, people need to be careful, but also there's so much fear. Um, a lot of this is fear-based, and, and that concerns me as well because, you know, it's, uh, people aren't thinking if they're fear-driven. Of course, of course, and that can make you, with all the stress and the anxiety and all the worry, that can make you very, very ill, very, very sick. You can absolutely yeah. acquire the, quote, symptoms or the symptom complex of what they call COVID-19. Uh, yes, as you say, you know, the symptoms are so vague and so wide. I mean, they could cover almost anything. Um, and yes, it's, you know, it, like I said before, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy because, you know, we know the placebo and the nocebo effect. You know, people have been able to manifest the most uh, horrendous symptoms uh, and, you know, based on a belief in something. So, as I say, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, again, you know, be be careful how you think about things, you know, take care of your thoughts. I actually did a show. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say I did a show back in um, around the time of Roswell, uh, the anniversary of Roswell, and uh, it was uh, I was looking at these declassified government documents that had come out and they were basically listing the medical conditions that resulted from people in the historical record, like medical records, military that had come into contact with UFOs. And I did a show where I compared those so-called uh, interactions with the UFOs, the symptoms of that, the, the, the issues that uh, uh, accumulated in the body with the symptoms of COVID-19. And basically, if you've been in the vicinity of a UFO, whatever that UFO is, uh, military, aliens, or your imagination, you basically come down with COVID-19. The symptoms are just completely vague uh, in that case as well. So I did, I did a show on that. But the, the main reason I wanted to do tonight's show is especially this issue of people ask me this question all the time, Don. So do you think the pandemic was real or not? Like, do you think that there was actually a virus? And a lot of people I know because I've, I've spoken, these are friends of mine, they're not necessarily opposed to listening to what you have to say or what I have to say, but I think there's a misconception over, you know, maybe Ryan and Don don't believe viruses exist, and then they say, but I'm looking at the image, and we talked about how that's usually CG, it's computer generated, it's under an electron microscope, they've dyed it, there's, you know, artifacts there that are present, it's always a different shape, size, color, etc., but when someone says, oh, you don't believe in viruses, can you unpack that idea and that question? It's not that there isn't something visible. The issue isn't that. The issue, as far as I'm concerned, is whether that thing that's not visible that you show us in a CG image, 
whether that thing is causing disease, which it clearly isn't. But can you unpack that idea for us, please? Uh, well, to say, was there a pandemic? The simple answer is no, um, because uh, there's an awful lot of, uh, yeah, there are an awful lot of data that show that the, the increase in mortality, that there's no increase in mortality, or there hasn't been any um, a- anything that demonstrates um, a- an increased mortality that, that you can say is, is a pandemic. Now, that's one aspect. I'm not saying people aren't ill and people haven't died. There are reasons that people become ill or express symptoms, and there are reasons that people die, um, but none of those reasons are due to the particle that's called a virus. Um, so there are lots, as I say, yeah, lots of reasons that people can become ill and express symptoms. And again, the symptoms, that's why the, sub, the subtitle of, of the book is why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong because we've got this concept of disease being something that attacks the body from the outside, you know, that it's an external entity, right. that a distinct, and you know, that there is a disease called, um, you know, that you could call cancer. There is a disease that you call heart disease, you know, that these things attack you, that you get them. Um, instead, these are conditions that develop within the body. Uh, they are... Um, and they are given labels, um, but they, the conditions aren't specific, distinct condi- conditions anyway. They are given these labels according to a variety of symptoms that people experience. So, you know, a, a doctor will see that you've got XYZ symptoms, and that correlates to um, this particular condition, disease, that they give you this label. Or sometimes they change their mind and say, oh, no, it might not be that, I think, or it might be something else. Um, well, I tell people, too, if, if, if this was a confirmed 100% positive thing and it wasn't just a theory based on assumptions and presumptions and, and implications, then doctors, unless they're just ignorant, should never make a misdiagnosis. A lot of misdiagnoses of things occur regardless of what the issue is because they're, the symptom complexes are so similar. Some are almost identical, and yet they're attributed to different particles or different images, not even particles. Does that make sense? Um, yes. I mean, not all uh, diseases are claimed to be uh, caused by um, pathogenic agents. I won't call them germs. Sure, yeah, pathogenic sure. agents. I mean, there are lots of other conditions given different labels. But a lot of them that are, are called, uh, air quotes, infectious diseases, um, I do have very, very similar um, symptoms and quite often they start with what I I believe even the WHO refers to, you know, flu-like symptoms or, you know, some of the core symptoms are very, very similar and it's only, you know, um, on some of the more sort of um, serious conditions or the complications that you might get X, Y, Z or something else. And again, you know, the, the, they're not distinct. It's not like, you know, if you've got X, Y, Z, it's this, or if you've got A, B, C, it's this. You know, it, it's kind of, you know, A, X, and Z, and, and just, as you say, so much overlap, so much that is not clear. Um, and the reason for that is because these conditions are not caused by any pathogenic agent. Uh, whatever test 
that are conducted are based on um, assumptions and um, ways of examining um, human material that, that bear no relationship to, to health, as you say. You know, as we said before, people can receive a um, so-called positive test for something when they've got no symptoms. I mean, and that's the other thing, of course. Um, they it, they didn't actually introduce the, the phrase asymptomatic carriers. It had been around for a number of years. It's, it's quite often used um, from the research we were looking at, um, quite often used for TB. You know, people can be infected but asymptomatic. Um, but now suddenly it's, you know, as, uh, people are asymptomatic carriers. I mean, that's really to make everyone afraid, you know, so even if they haven't got symptoms, you know, well, they could be a carrier of this, you know, microscopic right, right. thing that they've never seen. But the point is that that's the complete, well, I'd say misnomer, that's the polite, um, because all, like we were just saying, all diseases are given a label according to symptoms. So if somebody doesn't have symptoms, they can't have a label of a so-called disease. So it, asymptomatic, and sorry, so asymptomatic, they don't have the symptoms. But if um, something is a causative agent, then it must always be associated with the disease. So if this particular virus causes, say, flu, for example, I mean, um, that's just an example, then the so-called virus that is supposed to cause flu must always be there when people have the symptoms of a flu and they must never be there when people don't have the symptoms. So, you know, if it's a causative agent, it has to be there all the time, right from the very beginning and it should always be found um, before the person then displays the symptoms. So if it's um, a person has symptoms um, without the so-called agent, then that flies in the face of that particular piece of logic, which is part of Cox's postulate. Um, but if a person doesn't have symptoms but does have the so-called um, agent, then again, it can't be the cause. To, it can't be a cause. You know, I mean, that's that's as I say, part of Cox's postulates, which is why um, virologists don't like using Cox's postulates for viruses, uh, and they. Um, they amended them to what they called rivers um, criteria, which again are far, um, far more complicated, and uh, you know the what are called viruses. So, so they re they redefine the postulates in the same way they've redefined virus, pandemic, vaccine. Yep. Yes, uh, and 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 isolation as well. So I mean, we know from what they've been doing to people that the word isolation means separating. Um, something from everything else, whereas in virology, isolation means um, creating some kind of concoction. And the postulates were basically to to identify like a specific particle to determine, like to purify it, to, to isolate it, to see if it actually causes what they say it causes, G generally speaking. Uh, if you want to, yeah. you know, define it in more detail, we could do that. But that's generally speaking what, a, what Koch's yeah. postulates are. Yes. Yes, and um, no bacterium or virus um, actually meets those criteria because there are uh, almost always, um, when you go searching in the literature, there are cases where they've um, had people who have been diagnosed with TB without 
the bacterium that's supposed to cause it and people who are supposed to have the bacteria or been found to have the bacterium but don't have the so-called disease. So, you know, it, it fails. And T- I mentioned TB in particular because that's um, one of the diseases that Rob Cock is supposed to have um, allegedly found the um, causative agent, you know, the um, mycobacterium um, tuberculosis. So, you know, that's the sort of foundation of, you know, bacteriology that then virology has come out of. So that's why, as I say, talking about TB, because that's pretty foundational to, to the start of it. And, and yet it doesn't it doesn't fit their criteria. I think when we it have somebody... Postulate, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I'm, I'm sorry. You said it defies Koch's postulates? Yep. So we have somebody like Bill Gates who isn't, you know, a medical doctor, but he's the the leading expert, I guess, on vaccines and vaccine research, et cetera. So you think of somebody like him, and I think back the back to the Rockefellers and the establishment of what we consider to be modern medicine, uh, the Flexner Report, and the creation of modern medical uh, schooling and modern medical licensing. And so obviously, there's a, a billionaire, philanthropist, uh, corporate. Uh, component to mainstream medicine starting back then obviously today and a lot of assumptions a lot of presumptions a lot of implications that's where doctors and researchers and scientists and nurses etc get their education from then mainstream media parrots those institutions it parrots the so-called experts and when you when you're a doctor or nurse or whatever and you say hey this doesn't make any sense i've worked in this field and they consider you a quack so then the public is getting their information from the media, which gets their information from the same sources the doctors do or from the doctors themselves. And I think a lot of outside of that, a lot of information that the public gets doesn't even come from, quote, science. It comes from movies like Contagion, which is very mm-hmm. hyperbolic. And so we get our view of what a virus or what a pandemic is from, from literally from movies like Contagion, which was like the number one movie in the world at least in the United States, the number one movie on Netflix for months back in early 2020, because that's what people thought was actually happening. And they panicked and they, I said people were playing pandemic back in like February of 2020. They wanted to play pandemic. They go with their toilet paper and their food and hang out in their house and eat and watch TV. And they lived in an actual movie. So it's not that people don't die, as you said. It's not that people aren't sick. Yeah, people are sick. Yeah, your grandma might have died. Yeah, your best friend might have died. Yeah, your husband or wife might have died. But it doesn't mean they're dying of a particle that has not been identified or even proven to cause the, 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 the vague, arbitrary symptom complex that you supposedly have, even though you don't have symptoms, but you're still sick because the test told you to, told you that you're sick and told you, doctors told you to take a vaccine that didn't actually help. I want to play this clip for you, and I, I think that um, maybe you've heard it. Uh, this is Dr. Bricks. She was the uh, Robin to Fauci's Batman at the beginning of the pandemic. And she basically, well, I'll let her I'll let her tell you for herself. And all these people who have been fully vaccinated and and boosted and all of that, and they're getting it. The 20 percent or so of Americans who've not been vaccinated might look at that doctor and say, why bother? Why bother? What do you what do you tell them? Well, if you're across the South um, and you're in the middle of this wave, what's going to save you right now is Paxlovid. But once we get through this wave during that law, you should get vaccinated and boosted because we do believe it will protect you, particularly if you're over 70. So right there, she says, we do believe it will protect you. It's a belief. But then she says, same sentence. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. And I think. 
I knew these vaccines weren't were not going to protect against infection. We believe they work, but I knew they weren't actually going to protect against infection. The whole narrative, the whole house of cards collapses with that interview. Uh, yes. Uh, and it's again interesting because I picked up on the same thing, you know, uh, um, believe. Um, I, I think it's from the beginning, uh, the vaccines were said to be able to just reduce the severity of symptoms from what I, if I remember correctly, they weren't even touted to prevent it, which is what um, what we've all been taught that vaccines are supposed to do. You know, that's why, um, you know, they jab children umpteen mm-hmm. 70 times in the first few years of their lives because um, it's supposed to stop them from getting these diseases. So this time, you know, they're, they're saying it's something different. And I think it was only to reduce the severity of symptoms. Um, so again, protect you from... It, it's They're changing the language all the time and that's, that's the what point it is. that people... And yes, and people aren't listening carefully enough. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Don Lester fascinating interview tonight what really makes you ill is the book why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong the secret teachings.info is our website again already gable at yahoo.com there's a lot more with don after this don't go anywhere you're listening to the secret teachings for more information on the show or to contact ryan visit the secret teachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com hey this is john peasy at johnpeasy.com and i'm here with ryan gable from the secret teachings it's the secret teachings one of the homes of the original super bowl analysis airing exclusively five nights a week on ground zero radio If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week 
on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. You can listen to the Secret Teachings Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. GroundZero.radio is the most reliable way to listen. There is TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. The Aftermath FM app uses the GroundZero.radio stream, so you could listen on that application as well. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. Please go to the website. Check out my books. Check out the archive of the show. A lot of content there. I think you'll really enjoy if you enjoyed The Secret Teachings throughout the week. Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings is Facebook, obviously, and Twitter, TST underscore underscore radio. Those are other ways that you can get a hold of us and keep up to date with the show. Tonight, Don Lester, author of What Really Makes You Ill, and I would sincerely, sincerely, sincerely advocate for you to go get a copy of this book. It is a huge book, and it is 10 years, roughly, of research conducted by Don and David Parker, who's been on the show. It's the first time Don's been on the show solo. And I think we're having a fascinating conversation tonight. I hope that you're as interested in the subject as I am. We've discussed a couple of very important and particular things that briefly I'd like to recap. That is the changing of the definitions of words, such as virus, which was once defined as a poison. It was once defined, in fact, if you look into a dictionary, the dictionary I have here says that it once was associated with snake venom or poison and not that stupid water documentary either, literally like poison. It's a slimy liquid poison. Uh, Don was talking about the difference between what is extracted from the environment and what is seen under a microscope, an electron microscope, uh, the process of uh, dehydrating, the process of um, uh, dyeing, uh, staining uh, matter, uh, could be anything, whatever they're looking at under the microscope and how that creates artifacts and how we assume that because certain bacteria doesn't cause certain disease per se, that uh, must be a smaller particle, must be a virus. So the assumptions and the presumptions and the implications lead us to redefine our words that help us to well, it doesn't really help us understand reality. It helps us to further distort reality so that we live in a pandemic, which isn't by definition even a pandemic, so that we live and have to go get a virus, uh, excuse me, go get a virus, Freudian slip, have to go get a vaccine, which is not technically a vaccine because we're afraid of a virus that isn't actually a virus that doesn't actually make us sick. 
This is like the memory hole in 1984. This is the rewriting of definitions, uh, the dictionary in 1984. And really, I mean, it's like Aldous Huxley said, it's the conditioning of the public through chemical methods and other methods to love their servitude. And people have become so accustomed to things like masking and things like vaccines, in particular those two things, in order to engage in commerce or to have a job or to see their family, that they have, like Huxley said, begun to love their servitude. So it's not that people aren't sick. The question is, what is making people sick? And a lot of how the public, and myself included, probably you know when I was in high school especially, and maybe even I learned about germ theory probably nine years ago, eight, nine years ago, I understand a lot better today than I did then, but the ideas that we get from media come from the same institutions and schools that were set up by the Rockefellers in the same way that Bill Gates today, not a medical doctor, not a not really even a scientist, is a philanthropist with a lot of money, but he's a leading medical expert, and he funds the CDC and funds the World Health Organization, just like the Rockefellers establishing medical schools and criteria for licensing. So doctors, media get their information from those sources, but then the public gets their information from the doctors or the mainstream media or any media that parrots those narratives. But the point I'm getting at here is the public tends to get their information, if not from those sources, from movies, from TV shows, Movies like Contagion, which was trending in early 2020 and still probably is uh, trending to some degree better than it would otherwise. So it's not that people aren't sick. It's not that people don't die. But people aren't dying at a higher rate and haven't been dying at a higher rate than at any other point. And deaths have been recategorized. And the CDC says that 95% of all deaths are a result of four additional comorbidities. It says that on their website. And now the CDC, Don, says that whether you got a vaccine or you didn't, you can pretty much live your life the same. And I played the clip. You commented on it before break. Dr. Bricks saying that, well, we believe the vaccine works, but uh, you should still get it anyway, even though I knew it wouldn't work. Take a listen to this and we'll go back to Don. Not been vaccinated might look at that doctor and say, why bother? Why bother? What do you what do you tell them? Well, if you're across the south um, and you're in the middle of this wave, what's going to save you right now is Paxlovid. Another antiviral drug through this wave during that law. You should get vaccinated and boosted because we do believe we do believe it will protect you, particularly if you're over 70. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. And I-, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. We played the whole clip. She goes into further detail, but she knew they weren't going to protect against infection. Yet I know for a fact that here in the United States, our president told us that if you get the vaccine, you cannot get the virus. You cannot get sick. He told us that over and over again. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. So, Don, help me out here. Were were we right the whole time or what exactly is happening? Is this a distortion of reality? What's happening here? Oh, yeah, so much to unpack. Yes, um, it is a complete and utter distortion. Although, um, ironically, um, he is correct because you're not going to get COVID because there is no such thing. Um, and again, that's probably going to cause some True. people to say, oh, what are you talking about? And yet, well, there is no, there never was a, a new uh, so-called inverted commas uh, disease. Um, 
people were not dying in greater numbers in 2020 or in through most of 2021. Unfortunately, there is an increase um, in mortality as a direct result of the vaccines, unfortunately. Come on, um, it's, it's sudden human death syndrome. Come on. They're just dying randomly. Uh, it, it is. It is. Well, um, I mean, uh, yeah, a couple of things. The sudden cardiac, um, I hate calling these things syndromes. They're not syndromes. I mean, death is not a syndrome. Um, so there's sudden cardiac death uh, has, has been known about, and it happens in athletes. Um, in the higher in, at a higher incidence than in the sort of normal population, so that's one thing. Um, there is also what's called SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. And interestingly, fairly recently, I saw some statistics that show that um, during 2020, SIDS actually um, more or less disappeared at a time when parents were not taking their babies for their routine vaccinations. Just like with now, the flu, the flu disappeared as well, recategorized. Uh, well, that, yes, I mean, that, well, yes, again, the flu, that these are just symptoms. But yes, of course, recategorized. But the fact that SIDS disappeared um, is, is pretty significant when uh, there's a, a huge amount of... Um, propaganda put out that denies any relationship between SIDS and vaccines. Although when you look into it, there is, uh, just like with autism, there's a huge amount of um, data that supports that there is a uh, an association in most, if not all cases. I mean, certainly in many cases, um, but these things are not provable. And obviously you can't do anything about it because the vaccine industry has complete immunity. And that's the only place where immunity exists. So parents not um, taking their kids to the doctors to get shots, staying home. Yes. SIDS basically disappeared. Uh, it, it significantly dropped. Um, I don't know that it went down to zero, but it, it was you know, pretty much disappeared. Um, but talking about saying uh, that flu disappeared, I mean, I, I have actually um, recently written a couple of articles where I was looking at the WHO website, um, what they call disease outbreak news. And in fact, there have been um, something like 20 or 20 different outbreaks, so-called outbreaks of different conditions around the world. So, so much for uh, everything disappearing apart from so-called COVID. You know, but these are things like... Um, um, MERS and Lassa fever and Nipah virus and, and, and some other viruses I'd, I'd never heard of. I mean, they're making these names up all the time. So again, it's, you oh, know, yeah. um, uh, you know and, and a lot of them were in uh, non-European countries. So on, you know, non-Western countries, should I say. So in, um, so MERS is Middle East and a lot of the others were in African countries and then there was a so-called sort of, um, hepatitis in young children, all those sorts of things. Only they were later on, and um, after the um, the introduction of all these vaccine programs. But the other thing to go back to with the um, vaccines and, and what um, that uh, so-called doctor said was that the um, they were supposed to protect the people over seventy. So why have they? Um, in, made people substantially younger. Well, everyone under seventy, pretty much, uh, have these have these jabs as well. You know, they're you know why why aren't people asking these questions? What do you mean over seventy only? You know, why not? Why are babies now being given these horrible vaccines? 
Let me ask you this about the CDC guidance. I, I did bring it up a second ago, but all of this, I think, factors into what you're saying. How is it now that suddenly, even with more virus supposedly circulating, there's new outbreaks and some cities, states, counties, et cetera, still have mask, quote, requirements, but they're not enforcing them. Or some people are talking about new lockdowns in the, in the wintertime, et cetera. But for all of that, the CDC here in the States changed their guidance and said, hey, if you have fear of the virus or you're afraid you're going to get sick, you should know your own risk, choose to get vaccinated yourself, take, uh, I guess, action, take some kind of action if you were exposed, like continue to wear a mask. This is what they're saying. And take action if you are actually sick or test positive. Those are the four guidance points from the CDC. Know your risk, protect yourself, take action uh, if exposed, and take action if you are sick or test positive. But I'm pretty sure that's what a lot of people were saying when we talked about lockdowns, talked about wearing masks, talked about vaccines. Just make the decision for yourself rather than mandating it and trying to force people illegally to do it. So if the CDC has now changed their guidance, they're saying it doesn't matter if you got a vaccine or not. You just have to live the same way if you're vaccinated as someone who's unvaccinated and vice versa. So they've changed their, quote, guidance, but it's almost like we're working backwards. This is what it should have been at the beginning. If people were really, really concerned, this is what we should have been done from the beginning. Yes. The the thing is that, you know, going back to the sort of Huxley quote, um, it's getting people to not so much love their servitude, but to um, love the habit. So people have been, um, not everyone, you know, the people who believed in it at the beginning um, changed their habits and started wearing the masks, um, you know, and decided to do whatever it is, you know, keep away from everyone else, you know, the uh, sort of six feet away and walking into the road to avoid somebody else who isn't wearing a mask, which is, you know, all these ridiculous things. It's gone on for so long now, these are habits. I mean, um, the in the UK, it was never mandatory well, there was never any rules, guidelines, or, or anything that says uh, that said people had to wear masks in the street. And yet, even now, two and a half or more than two and a half years later, people are wearing masks in the street. Um, they have chose. They have chosen to, um, you know, buy into the fear to do whatever it is. And now it it has become a habit. And some people have actually been asked. And they've said, yes, it, you know, yes, it's a habit. Um, and they're no longer thinking about it, which, of course, is why they can relax the rules. And I think possibly it's another part of the PSYOP that they are relaxing the rules just to see how many people do carry on, how many people have totally bought into, into it and will continue to follow the rules, the old rules, even though the rules aren't don't apply. So I, I think it's... Um, it is to see um, how many people are, are happy to just drop these measures or, or not comply with them unless, you know, they're told to. Well, here in, um, the, here in the States, we had a federal judge in Florida who overturned the CDC's, quote, transportation law, which wasn't a law. She wrote 60, 59, 60 pages of the court's opinion And she said the CDC never informed the public to have a discussion, did not follow the rule of law, and had no authority to actually implement their mandates to force people to wear masks on planes, trains, etc. 
in response, people attacked her physically, attacked her looks, attacked her politics, etc. But the bottom line was the CDC had no authority to do it, just like the CDC tried to prevent uh, housing units from evicting people, which maybe that's admirable to some people, but they just don't have the authority to do it. And the Supreme Court had to rule that in our country, too. And so, I mean, I'm only bringing that up because you have people that think that these mandates or policies or executive orders or laws that can be enforced when they're when they're actually not. And our court system here, luckily, we're very lucky. Our court system has ruled that all of these things were illegal from the beginning and that they had no authority to do them. But I think that plays into that Huxleyan idea of loving servitude or getting people to love the conditioning because it's just an experiment. How far can we push the illegality before the good parts of the system or good people push back legally? How far can we push okay. this until people respond negatively and then we'll draw it back a little bit for a little bit of time and then try to throw some other viruses out there? As you mentioned, there's like a thousand different names. They just keep naming. You said they, they naming these things are making up these names. And it's it's like every week I see a new one. So I think that is a great example. They push the illegality and they force people into a cage to see how much they'll take before they resist it. I, I think that's an extremely important point. I, I, I think you're right. Um, and it was just um, unfortunate that so many people um, just followed it from the, from the very beginning. I mean, there are, I, I believe, far more people now who won't comply if they start to um, enforce, well, not even enforce, if, if they start to declare the, you know, there are other measures, you know, they're reintroducing measures is what I'm saying. You know, yes. the, whether lockdowns, masks, whether, whether um, I, I think there will be a lot more pushback and I'm not sure um, whether they're going to risk it or not or whatever. But, you know, the fact is that people are still complying with measures that they were never um, uh, obliged to follow. Uh, and it's the fact that people are outsourcing the responsibility for their health. And that's why this is such an important point, because this is the starting point. If people are outsourcing their responsibility for their health, then they're going to outsource the responsibility for all the other aspects of their lives and obviously this goes into <clears throat> sorry excuse me into the law uh, money system and all of that and we we know you know there's there's all sorts of other aspects of the agenda so they've got away with um um a hell of a lot in this health aspect and that's why it's so important for people to understand that they have been um fooled um, I know people don't like being told they've been fooled, but I mean that's not their fault. They believed people who they or they trusted people they shouldn't have trusted. It's as simple Certainly. as that. And so it's to get people to be more thoughtful, more skeptical, more careful about what they're seeing um, coming out of these sources. But knowing also that what comes out of the mainstream media is propaganda for, for the most part, especially when it's to do with health. Oh, when you're saying the d different diseases, have you heard about the tomato flu? Yes, I did. You get these big tomatoes wow. on your skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, it's just, I'm I mean, fortunately, fortunately, people laughed when it when they came out with monkeypox. Although that's now a, a global health emergency. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It, it's you see that's that's covering up damage from um, vaccines. I think to a certain extent, as is as you mentioned before the sudden adult death syndrome um i'm, and I'm, I'm the, hoping to get the, sorry i'm sorry i'm saying i'm hoping to get the tomato 
uh, flu myself because I can't afford those big beefsteak tomatoes to make salads. I'm just going to start, get the flu, cut them off, make a salad. It's, un- it's unbelievable people actually believe the tomato flu. I just call it, like they call the, the, the regular flu. They say it comes from that animal. or the, I just call it the zoo flu. It's just every day there's an, and, and, and I thought we were supposed to be at the cutting edge of health and science. And yet all these diseases are just encroaching our, our civilization and killing us at will. Yeah, and it is, um, um, sorry, there there is a a definite effort to um, implicate animals. Uh, I mean, that's another thing that they're pushing out. A lot of these so-called diseases are what they call zoonotic, which means they come from animals. Um, And that simply isn't true either. Uh, I, I think that's obviously part of the agenda to move, to get people afraid of nature. And that then allows them to be herded into cities and then the whole smart cities and all of that nonsense. Agreed. Um, and, you know, I, 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 it, it, there, there may be other aspects to that, but I, I believe that that's connected to it. Um, so the solution to that is to go the completely opposite way and to go back into nature, befriend animals, they cannot harm. I mean, yes, obviously, you wouldn't want to befriend a tiger um, out in the wilds of India somewhere. Um, that's not what I'm suggesting, of course. What I mean is not to not to fear, you know, the local um, sort of animals. Um, I mean, and it even takes us into, if you like, into malaria. I mean, they're trying to blame mosquitoes for a whole host of different so-called diseases as well. Um but of course, then they bring out their nasty insecticides to kill the mosquitoes. Right. right. And hey, presto, poisoning the local um, environment, and then people become ill. I mean, it's the same thing with people that have this idea about electric cars, that these are the solutions to all of our problems, when in fact, electric car production not only produces as much, if not more, especially over a lifetime of the vehicle itself, so called carbon dioxide poisoning to the environment. But to extract the metals from the earth, you have to just rip the earth apart and you have to do it with machines that run on diesel fuel and you have to transport it in boats or in trucks that run on diesel fuel. It's just a, it's a giant joke. And especially when like people, I don't necessarily trust the CDC, but when they tell me that I should probably wash my hands after going to the bathroom, I, I'll tend to wash my hands. I don't want, you know, material on my hands. if I'm going to go eat. So I go wash my hands. But the CDC also tells people eliminating three risk factors. This is a quote, poor diet, inactivity, and smoking would prevent 80% of heart disease and stroke cases, 80% of type 2 diabetes, and 40% of cancer cases. For all the people that love the CDC, there are three major ways right there that they're telling you heart disease, the leading killer, diabetes, and cancer, a lot of that could be totally eliminated by just changing your diet, exercising a little bit. I think they said like 20 minutes a, a, a week or something, like a half hour a week, an hour and not smoking as much. So if we're trusting the CDC and we're trusting in science, we should maybe be focused on those risk factors and not something we can't see, which hasn't been proven to do anything. Even the asymptomatic study that came out of Germany at the beginning back in 2020 was pulled because it was inaccurate. Admittedly, they pulled it. So maybe we should focus on those risk factors, Don. Um, yes, the WHO also uh, lists those kinds of risk factors. I, I think they... Um, they list four. I can't remember if I haven't got it in front of me. Um, but again, yes, diet and lifestyle exercise, although exercise on its own isn't a risk factor for disease as such. Sure, you yes. know, 
outside of anything else. Of course, you know, um, but it's not just um, those three. I mean, it's also, you know, we also have to think of our, um, if you like, our sort of mental state. So it is like we call stress, but it's it's that whole sort of aspect of the, um, you know, our thoughts, our feelings and, and all that kind of thing that can really affect our health. Again, you know, taking on beliefs that become self-fulfilling prophecies if you've got you know um the, the kind of thing where somebody says oh you know well did, um cancer runs in my family you know well no it doesn't it's not you know it's not genetic as well so you know these are other areas that you know we've um we've looked into and, and continuing to look into and again the whole thing of genetics is um it is another huge rabbit hole um there was something else that you said i wanted to pick up on and I've lost the thread of that but anyway if it comes back I'll say but it's um, it's again looking at the things that really do um, it's not that they cause disease but it's knowing how we become how we how we can maintain ourselves in health and therefore what happens if we don't follow those um, ways of, of living if you like that um, that can then produce symptoms now symptoms are regarded as illness but in fact symptoms are the way the body's way of actually self-healing you know self these are self-repair mechanisms you know these are detox like a fever or a sneeze absolutely it's the body just you know clearing itself you know just you know even if it's sort of going through the digestive system you know to think oh you've got a disease just because you've got diarrhea no your body's (laughs) saying there's something there's something your body wants to get rid of and you know, the thing to do is is not to just, you know, go around um, taking these um, petrochemical-based products that the pharmaceutical industry sell you, but to, you know, listen to the advice of, of the old days of, you know, go to, bre- go to bed, um, drink plenty of fluids, have a rest, um, and, you know, within a couple of days you'll probably feel fine. Just let your body do its own thing. And like you say, with a fever, it's raising the temperature to push out the toxins. And, of course, that's the other thing that the CDC and the WHO won't mention, although the WHO do say, you know, vaguely something about, you know, being careful not to, uh, being careful to avoid toxins. Um, So, uh, you know, they don't like to put too much emphasis on that because that gives gives the game away that, uh, yeah, toxins are one. You can't really profit from taking a drug to stop a toxin because you're just taking a poison. So you can profit from an invisible virus. Yeah. Profit politically, yeah, financially. Something to kill it. Yep, absolutely. And and this idea about the environment too, don't go outside without a mask on, social distance from other humans, don't shake hands, don't have sex, don't have any intimacy, don't see your grandma, don't see your grandpa, don't see your friends, etc. Your animals could have COVID-19. It's a very anti-human, eugenicist-oriented ideology. Don Lester is our guest this evening. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More with Don after this. She's going to stay for the final segment. We really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I hope that you appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying tonight's show. The music tonight, White Bat Audio on YouTube. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us.
This is David Icke from davidicke.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Final segment of the secret teachings tonight. A few things I may have mentioned to you before, but we have a guest, Don Lester, on the broadcast with us. What Really Makes You Ill, her book with David Parker, who's been on the show before. I want to ask you, Don, about a couple of studies, and I'm not exactly sure the scientific specifics, if you will, of the studies in terms of, I don't have time to sit here and give you all the details, but One study out of Japan published in Nature's Scientific Reports Journal looked at 109 people who wore masks, took the masks, and they were able to show that the bacteria growth in the masks compared with the outside of the masks, like the inside opposed to the outside, um, was extremely high in 99% of the masks examined, which all contained bacterial colonies, um, and I think it was inside and 94% on the outside. So like every single mask had colonies on the inside, 
uh, and high levels of bacteria on the outside. That's probably pretty obvious to most people. Uh, bacteria, fungus. Uh, I don't think this study mentioned it, but obviously, depending on how you take care of your mask, maybe even mold. I see people that have just disgusting things they put on their face. So we've known for a long time masks don't actually prevent any sort of transmission of things that don't actually make you sick anyway. We also know, and this was not something I wrote or something, it sounds like something from the secret teachings, but uh, the New England Journal of Medicine uh, published earlier on in the so-called pandemic, this is a quote, New England Journal of Medicine, universal masking in hospitals in the COVID-19 era. It is also clear that masks serve symbolic roles. Masks are not only tools, they are also talismans that may help increase healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well-being, and trust in their hospitals. That was May 21st, 2020, so that was early on. So at the beginning, they say they're talismans. They don't actually work. They just make people feel better. And now, in 2022, we have additional evidence, among all the other evidence. Every mask looked at, massive builds up, buildup of bacteria. And they say in the article from The Spectator, which has a link to the actual study, and they reference it in the study, I believe, as well, that one of the major issues with this bacteria is that it causes respiratory issues, which I thought people were wearing the masks to prevent. So, Don, could you please speak to that if you've heard that study, or if not, give us your take on that uh, mask report. Um, right. Well, the um, I saw... Well, it sort of came across my radar, that Japanese study, but I didn't look at it in any depth. Um, there is a problem, of course, with um, the idea that there are bacterial colonies and fungi, uh, not because they cause disease. Um, and that's probably what the <laughs> the main um, controversy was. Sort of, that's going to be challenging for people um, because, you know, it, um, a lot of um, people have been uh, talking, saying, oh, well, it, you know, it's not viral, it's bacterial pneumonia. Bacteria have never been proven to cause anything. Our bodies have bacteria, um, but, you know, loads of bacteria, trillions of, it, well, nobody actually has ever counted them, but they've, they've estimated. Um, there are huge numbers of bacteria in your body, in and on. Uh, you couldn't survive without them. Now, they have a particular function, which is to break down dead and dying uh, material. They do that out in the wild. They do that in your body. So it's unsurprising um, that they will be uh, on masks because your breath is one of the main um, ways of your body getting rid of toxic material. So if you are not eliminating it because the mask is stopping your body uh, stopping you from actually getting it out in, in your breath it's going to stay there and you're going to be sort of breathing it in obviously there's a lot of moisture which is why the fungi but the it's it, it a lot of material is going to build up and it's pretty nasty and the bacteria are there to to help you know break it down clear it up and, and get rid of it so it's, as I say, not surprising bacteria are there, but they are not the cause of respiratory problems. The actual problem is the fact that somebody's wearing a mask because it's stopping them uh, clearing and eliminating whatever the body needs to through the breath. So that's going to stay in the within the kind of mouth area 
if not sort of actually outside, but possibly being breathed back in again if people have their, you know, at some point they have their mouth open and so they're breathing that back in again. And so the they're, they're uh, returning the toxins back to their mouth. And so, of course, they're, they're going to have a buildup of toxins w- within that part of their body, within around the mouth, in and, uh, you know, the tongue, teeth, all of that, the nose as well. So they're, inhal- so they're inhaling what their body was trying to get rid of. Which was poisonous, and so that exactly. So that builds up and it builds up, and of course you're going to get more bacteria because the toxins are going to be damaging um, cells and tissues, and so the the that bacteria are there to try and clear it up. So when they say, so, so when they say yeah. that you're even even the mainstream narrative though is that the bacteria there is going to make you sick it's going to cause respiratory issues i'm in full agreement with you i totally understand i hope listeners do too but even from a mainstream perspective if people think bacteria causes these issues you're still wearing a mask where the bacteria buildup is going to cause respiratory issues which would then be diagnosed as covid19 oh yes i mean it is um ridiculous that they're um telling you to wear something that they know is going to give you respiratory problems which is exactly what you're supposed to be they're supposed to be protecting you against. I mean, yes, yes, that is complete nonsense. Um, you know about the... And, and the, people still wear them. <laughs> people still wear them, absolutely, even when you're not mandated or forced to do it. I, I need to start asking people sincerely, just I'm not trying to be mean or uh, abrasive. I, I need to start asking people again, just, hey, excuse me, sir, excuse me, man, why are you, why are you wearing that? And just see what they say. I mean, I, I did that before when, you know, it was a, a bigger thing and people were being f- kind of forced to do it or... Uh, shamed into doing it and a lot of people told me well it's the law i have to do it and i said it's what where's the law what law they a lot of people think it's an actual law they have to follow it but the masks not not only uh that japanese study there's been so many others but one of the big issues it's not only masks it's also the lockdowns lockdowns and masks have and this is becoming more uh well known as we we i guess accumulate the data and it's becoming more recognized and talked about uh this is an article from the mainstream economist. COVID learning loss has been a global disaster. Uh, ex- here's another one. Experts blame pandemic for speech delays in children. They blame that on the masks. Uh, CNBC yeah. News isolation during COVID pandemic delayed kids' social skills, even to the point of uh, physical uh, and uh, physical regressions in their ability to walk or to communicate in any capacity. So, I mean, this is all mainstream news uh, telling us that lockdowns and masks stunted a child's development and the lockdowns in particular uh, in some parts of the world, I think it was South America specifically, they had a reduction in literacy uh, uh, based on their statistics of of kids reading and writing. It was like a 30% reduction in literacy. So lockdowns and masks not only didn't do anything and it not only makes you sicker, it actually prevented people from getting an education and learning the things that they might need to learn to understand what we're talking about here on the show. If I didn't know better, and maybe I do know better, this seems highly organized and it seems highly, for lack of a better term, generally speaking, very anti-human. It, it's, it reeks of eugenics and preventing people from being able to uh, self-actualize. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, the the fact that uh, well, I mean, it's not even children necessarily going to to school learning, um, but babies learn through um, 
you know, through what they see in their parents, and uh, they require the all the different signals, uh, facial signals from their parents. That's that's all they've got in the first few months of their life. You know, the kind of what they see, and then how they absorb that information, and and having parents with most of their face covered up by some horrendous piece of material is. Um, well, I don't know what the word is. It, it's it. Well, it's heartbreaking. I think. Um, certainly, and certainly. Yes, yes. Um, uh, deliberate. I'm sure these people did know. Um, you know, those those who uh, initiated it. You know, right at certain levels. And I, I don't even know exactly who initiated it. I'm not saying Bill Gates did at all. Um, but the um, those somewhere along the line did know what they were doing and, and like you're saying about the New England Journal of Medicine study saying that you know masks have um, symbolic roles I mean yes of course because if you're putting on a mask that means you are allowing yourself to be muzzled to be prevented from speaking it means you don't feel um, sufficiently confident you don't feel self-assured or you know you are prepared to be subdued you know, you, you, you are prevented from speaking out. I mean, there's all sorts of aspects and, you know, there's a, it's a huge psychological operation on uh, that, that just so many people bought into on, on the wrong basis because they thought it was about health. Well, criminals wear masks. And I think part of it is symbolically yeah. to imply that, well, you're a criminal, you're going to hurt people with your breath. You could get people sick. And a lot of that is, I, I find it to be 100% parallel and identifiable with what we call, again, for lack of a better word, because definitions change, what we call the green movement. Carbon dioxide is poisonous. How do we get people to stop breathing? Let's muzzle them, literally. Put masks over their face. Convince them not to go out in public. Don't drive. It's too dangerous. You could get people sick. Don't drive. It's too dangerous. There's too much carbon dioxide. And now after the so-called pandemic is perceptually sort of kind of but not really winding down and disappearing we're hearing now that we need lockdowns for climate change and well you can't afford gas here in the united states our transportation secretary said buy an electric car for eighty thousand dollars if you can't afford five dollars for a gallon of gas totally tone deaf intentionally meant to demean you and degrade you and make you feel as if you're worthless and you have no purpose in life that's what they're telling us here in the states that carbon dioxide is so dangerous we can't drive anymore just get an electric car if you want. If you can't afford it, you just don't get to drive. You don't get to have transportation anymore. I think these things are very intimately connected. The difference between COVID-19 and what we call the green initiatives today, there really yeah. really isn't much of a difference. It's the same thing. It's all based on humans are poisonous, animals are bad, animals and humans are dangerous, and we need to do something about this. Yes, yes, they are very much interconnected. All we have to do is look at the 2030 agenda. But um, Also, another uh, aspect of the mask, you were saying criminals wear them, but one of the reasons is so that they um, can't be identified. So it turns turns them into somebody who isn't an individual with their own, um, well, it, it, to somebody, to a, I don't want to use the word person, uh, to a man or a woman uh, with their own in individuality. So again, covering up, you are losing your identity. So you are oh, yes. merged 
Um, so th- there is that aspect as well. Um, talking of cars, I remember what it was. Um, when you were talking about electric cars, I mean, yes, it's horrendous the resources they require to actually manufacture them. But at the same time, all, um, as you know, I'm, I'm sure, well, hopefully people will remember from the um, conversations before about EMFs, that the uh, all electrical um, uh, equipment emits electromagnetic fields. And within, uh, even within a car now, if you've got your cell phone on, you know, that that's emitting a, uh, you know, uh, frequencies. But within an electric car, um, I mean, it's something David said he, he wants to try and find out to to because with his meter to find out what the fields are like within an electric car. So I mean, it, it, <laughs> they are probably dangerous from the inside. They are certainly not um, uh, air quotes green. And yes, the the whole um, so called man made climate change is is complete and utter nonsense as well because carbon dioxide is being demonised. And again, you know, it's the complete inverse of what is real because carbon dioxide is plant food. Yes. And plants breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen, which we breathe in, and then we breathe out carbon dioxide. And this so is why, this is why our, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that, that that's the ecosystem of, of the environment in which we live. That's the reality. It absolutely is, and that's why NASA, our NASA is telling us the last few years five to six years, and then in 2018, another report, that the earth is greener now than it ever has been. That And that's because, yes, there are tree planting programs, but NASA specifically said part of it is because there's more carbon dioxide. That's a good thing for plants. They retain more water. There's less drought. And NASA even said back in 2018, and I've got the quote right here, uh, the paper somewhere on my desk, they said that as a result of, this is what they're saying, as a result of more carbon dioxide, which is good for the plants, it actually decreases warming. And then they explain the reason behind that. But the point is, I mean, even back in the 70s, they were running uh, running uh, uh, TV shows, commercials, advertisements, et cetera, for the global cooling. Everybody was going to freeze by the turn of the century. Uh, but, but again, the point is, I, I, I bring this green climate initiative, uh, green climate change subject up because what they're doing with the human body by telling us that a sneeze or a cough or diarrhea, that these are bad things, you got to get rid of them. That's, you know, indication of you being sick and they're just treating the symptoms of a, of a bigger issue. We're doing the same thing with climate. We're telling, and I did a couple of shows on this recently, we're telling people that since animals are going extinct, or they tell us they're going extinct, or because, you know, uh, you don't remember it being this hot or this cold at some point, you know, in the past where you lived, all very situational, all very arbitrary as a result of all these things, humans are changing the climate. So what can we do to fix the human-made global warming issue, Don? Well, we can geoengineer the climate. So we can fix human-made engineering by just implementing engineering programs. And what can we do to, to save the environment from human destruction and all these chemicals and pesticides and things like this? Well, we can just genetically modify the crops to withstand even more pesticides and herbicides. This isn't saving the environment or making us healthy. This is destroying the environment and making us very sick in mind and body. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, like you say, they they cause the problem and then come running in and tell us that we're the problem and they have the solution. I mean, it, it, you know, it is the standard sort of Hegelian dialectic. And um, 
it's time for people to stop believing that um, these people have the solution or they are capable of um, having the solution because they don't actually care about um, humanity. They don't care about the people um, around the world. They are looking at it from their own perspective, whatever their own agendas may be. And there seem to be a, a few different ones. Most of them are based on controlling everything. And um, the good thing is that uh, a lot of men and women are not controllable. We, are, we have decided that uh, we aren't going to listen to them and we're going to make choices for ourselves. And this is really what this is. It's a, it's a, a, battle, of, a battle of the minds, if you like. It's, it's, a, um, it's a war of consciousness. Or I, I don't even like to use the word war, but, you know, we, we, are, we have to come from a place of taking responsibility for ourselves and taking decisions for ourselves and saying, um, you know, no, thank you, I... I don't like your ideas. I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll create my own ideas, and for people to be becoming, be being as creative as they can, becoming more creative, you know, having their own ideas about what to do in life. And there is no one system um, that we want to, you know, change the old system and we'll have a new system, a new system. It's to have lots of different ideas where people can just you know, choose how to, well, choose how to live, yes, absolutely, and decide how they want that to be. Um, I mean, the only principle, obviously, is to, you know, not cause harm, I suppose. Um, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's the whole basis of what life should be, that, you know, we are free, creative individuals, um, and we are being oppressed, suppressed, told we're useless and worthless, and, and that simply isn't true. Um, you know, we are powerful we just have to recognize that and and take steps to implement that in our lives you know i mean i know that all sounds very grandiose it's not um well there's it a- is understanding how how life works and, and recognizing who we are and not being allowing ourselves to be masked up so that we can't mm-hmm. stand in our own identity i think there's an irony there too because when we look at I don't want to call it political, but it seems to be heavily political in the United States, this idea of dis and misinformation and people have their own opinions or they have their alternate facts. I mean, when you look at what our media tells us here, I can only speak here because I live here in the States. Our media tells us it's dangerous to think for ourselves. We should listen to experts. Don't think for yourself because that means people are going to believe whatever they want to believe. They're going to turn their their reality upside down and they're going to be dangerous to the rest of society. But I think the irony there is the people that are pushing the the narrative and the uh, political um, zealots that are pushing this ideological narrative of uh, don't trust anybody but the experts and only listen to trusted sources of information are also the ones pushing the idea that biology doesn't exist and you can literally be a cat if you identify as a cat. And I think there's, there's an irony in that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and the other thing is, you know, people um, mistake different um, comments that uh, some of us are making and, and they're misinterpreted as if I'm saying anything goes, I'm not at all. 
we have to take responsibility and therefore we have to take responsibility for all of our actions and the consequences of our actions and to not think that there aren't consequences and that's important because our actions will have consequences and uh, it's I'm not saying oh you know anything goes it's you know um, do whatever you will I don't I'm not saying that at all um so yes uh, but to listening to so-called experts authority and it's only those people who they say are experts and authority right um uh, you know because they have to have you know their label of authority you know it has to be from the who um they are the people with authorities you know they're not it's it's but it, it all starts from that place of um uh these the training where you get a particular training and that allows you to have a piece of paper that says that you have this particular qualification, therefore you can do X, Y, Z. That being able to do X, Y, Z is actually restrictive because it means you have to follow certain rules in order to keep that piece of paper. If you don't follow their rules, you'll find that you you will lose, um, you know, the license or the right to do whatever it is that you've trained in. You know, so it, it is restrictive. You know, these so-called experts—they are—they have to follow the rules. They have to do as they're told as well, according to whatever is coming from the agenda, whoever's running the agenda. So, um, but yes, I mean, and again, as soon as you hear experts don't agree with each other, you know, they can't both be right. No, of course, and it's the same thing with ninety-seven <laughs> percent of experts agree that anthropomorphic climate change is real. Well, what about the other 3%? Can I hear what they say? Uh, well, that was also twisted as well. It was only, it was, it, it, that was not, wasn't even 90%. It was only 90% of a small group. Well, of right, some, right. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, it, it, it's been interpreted as 90, 97% of all scientists. Well, that simply isn't true, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yes, that's what's trotted out. And as you said before, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, it was, you know, uh, global cooling and in fact they may be slightly changing their um, line anyway because um, according to um, some people who are looking into these trends because the climate does change that's natural and the trend that we're moving into is believed or is, is um, looks like it's going to be a cooling period yes, yes. No, and, and, and I know it's 97% of a selected group. It's the same thing. Nine out of 10 dentists agree with that you should take this, you know, this uh, mouthwash or use this toothbrush. It's all totally yep. manipulated. It's all yep. behavioral psychology. Uh, yep. Don Lester, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I really sincerely, I don't do a lot of interviews anymore, but when I do do a show with you or with you and David, uh, it's always one of my favorites. What really makes you ill.com. That's the website, correct? It is indeed, yes. And what can listeners find on the website? Where can they find the book, What Really Makes You Ill? And this is a giant book, by the way. So if anybody is thinking it's like a tiny pamphlet, now this is over 700 pages, all the references, 10 years of work. One of my personal favorite books, I keep it on my, my uh, one bookshelf where all my favorite books are. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Let listeners know where they can find all that. And if you have anything else that you'd like to add, we've got just under four minutes. Um, yes, the book isn't available through the website. It, uh, the paperback version is does seem to be available from a number of different online shops um, that include Amazon, and I know 
some people don't like Amazon. Uh, there's a Kindle version available as well, and that is searchable, obviously. Um, some people are, are saying, you know, because there isn't an index in the big book, but unfortunately that was, we were restricted to pages, um, and we just managed to get it in under 800 pages, which was our limit. Um, and it is available uh, as an audio version, which can only be obtained through our website. So there's a link um, for the uh, audio book version. We have uh, a newsletter that people can subscribe to. It is only occasional. We we don't um, put out a. Um, it, it's not a regular. You know, we just um, put out information um, when we think there's something important to put out to people. Uh, there's what's called a members area there for people to have access to. Uh, something a little bit different from what's available. And um, what else? Uh, we have uh, videos on there. There's a blog on there uh, that, again, uh, articles are put up occasionally. We also have um, a page where people can find out about our talks, only sadly that um, they are only in the UK at the moment. So I'm waiting for, um, well, we're, we're both, I mean, David and I are both waiting for uh, the US to stop their ridiculous um, restriction or requirement for people to be poisoned in order to um, uh, come to your country. So as soon as that drops, you know, we we would love to come and visit. And we've had some invitations, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So um, it would be nice to find a way to, you know, to meet up if that happens as well. Certainly, I'd love to come to one of you guys' talks if you can make it over here. Hopefully, I can hope. That at some point, yes, the nonsense will be pulled back, and uh, oh, yeah. hopefully we can uh, acquire some some sense of what was considered quote normal before. Uh, I really think that we hit on some fantastic, intriguing, thought provoking issues tonight. Again, I want to I want to reiterate: nobody is saying that people don't die, or people aren't dying, or your grandma didn't die. The issue is what did the person die from. And that's important because it's the difference between natural causes or a life of uh, poor decisions or a combination of both and a random virus, a random pandemic, which we all have to change our lives to adapt to. There's a huge difference, and it's the difference between being masked and forced to take experimental shots. The head of Moderna said you're going to take these shots like an iPhone every year. You're going to have an updated uh, vaccine. The difference between that and having the freedom to choose and having the freedom to live your life without these kinds of uh, tyrants, technocrats, and medical authoritarians trying to control your lives. So, Don Lester, thank you for coming to the show. What really makes you ill? What really makes you ill.com? Really appreciate it. As always, love to have you back uh, by yourself or with David next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been great. All right. We'll talk to you on another show sometime soon. Again, what really makes you ill.com, the book. What really makes you ill? Our website is thesecretteachings.info. And if you are a subscriber, even if you're not a subscriber, you go into the archive and you type in, or you can use the Command F button on your computer or uh, Command F on a Mac. I think it's Control F on a PC. Type in uh, Don Lester, L-E-S-T-E-R, and you'll find all of the shows that we've done, uh, a total of five, and you can download and listen to those. Some of them from a few years ago, so I think I'm going to re-upload these as best ofs to the archive, which was uh, an archive we set up uh, long 
uh, after the fact we started monetizing the show. So not all these shows uh, were seen or downloaded by a lot of uh, our new listeners. So put those back up in the archive. www.thesecretteachings.info. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. My new book, Liberty Shrugged. I think you'll really enjoy that book as well. And it's also a very big book, 600 plus pages, 30 something chapters, so much information. Took me a long time to research stuff in that book is um, content and information that that I had to learn, stuff that you probably don't know unless you're a scholar or or historian, Uh, but stuff I think will be fascinating nonetheless to learn about. Again, thesecretteachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Please visit our website. Please leave us a review on any of the podcasts or radio players. And please stay with us on The Secret Teachings tomorrow night, Friday. I will have our September 11th show, but it will not be a bland recapping of those events 20-something years ago. It's going to be a little more esoteric and a little bit more rooted in The Secret Teachings what the Twin Towers and the Twin Pillars represent. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast.